This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to the Rope Report Extra podcast. I'm your host, James Lawson. I'm sitting in for Graham this week and I'm delighted to be joined by Mark Douglas, the editor of The Chronicle, The Football Pages, and also a Bradford City fan. How are you doing today? Not too bad, yeah, not too bad. Looking forward to the game on Saturday. Good stuff. Um, yeah, I just wanted to start with Bradford. Obviously, things not quite going to plan this season, just above the relegation zone. How do you think the team are getting on? Is that a fair reflection of sort of where you're at, just above the relegation spots? Yeah, I think so. It's a, it's a fair reflection of, of a really turbulent sort of calendar year, actually, because um, we, we sort of started the year uh, flying high in League One, really at that stage, you know, looking like we'd be in the playoffs for the third successive season. And, and, and I think everybody felt that, you know, we were a club moving in the right direction, but there's just been a, a sort of compendium of really bad, decisions by the co-owners, uh, Stefan Rupp, who's the sort of silent partner, and Edin Rahic, who's uh, the co-owner, who believes, I think, mistakenly, that he, he sort of knows football and has come in as a minority shareholder, has installed himself as director of football, meddled in a lot at the club, including recruitment, sacked Stuart McCall, alienated a lot of the supporters. It's been a bit of a disaster uh, since McCall was sacked, but um, things have been going wrong behind us, I think, for longer than that. At the start of this season, they made a bad decision in the uh, in who the manager was. He was a 32-year-old sort of part-time under-23 coach, a guy named Michael Collins, who lasted a few weeks. Clearly, wasn't up to the job. Um, I think was probably only appointed because um, he was easily influenced by uh, the owner, and it just sort of went wrong from there. And I think the the one positive for Bradford, from this perspective, is they've obviously got David Hopkins in the last few weeks. It started badly for him. He, he, he couldn't arrest the slide uh, initially, but they've, they've won. Uh, they've taken four points from the last six. They've got two clean sheets in the last two games and they won on uh, Tuesday against AFC Wimbledon, which was a massive, massive result. And there's that maybe that feeling that things might be starting to turn again. Obviously, still problems with the boardroom, still the problems with the owners, but Hopkins looks like a serious football man. Um, definitely seems to be turning things very, very slowly in the right direction. I don't think they were, they'd win any points for performances on Tuesday, but they certainly looked a more credible team than they had done at the start of the season. So it might be that Sunderland, if they'd played them three weeks ago, would have really fancied their chances of racking up a cricket score, to be honest, at Valley Parade. But it might be a slightly harder job for Sunderland on, on uh, Saturday because you know the club start, started, I think the team have started to look a little bit more like they're, they're going to be difficult to beat, which is what Hopkins wanted in the first place. 
So are we potentially looking at a game against a sort of archetypal League One side, sort of make use of long throw-ins, play the percentages? Is that fair or is there a bit more sort of nuance to what Hopkins doing? Well, it's, it, I think the big problem that City are going to have is that they've they recruited in the summer um, at the behest of the co-owner. They recruited a team that was going to be, that was going to play good football. So it was the idea was that they, they'd bring in a lot of kind of nimble, quick players, guys who potentially you know were going to be creative footballers. We were going to have a team that knocked the ball around. We we're going to play into a front man, and then they've, they've appointed Hopkins, who you know is more of a direct coach. So he's not got those those players at his disposal. So I don't think we're necessarily route, uh, a route one team. I don't think we've got the players to play that that game particularly effectively. So I don't think we'll we'll necessarily be a big sort of physical outfit who are gonna who are gonna cause problems for Sunderland with long balls and and uh, big th- and throw ins and things like that. I think we we that's the, the sort of which city are going to turn up. Is it going to be the team that um, did what they did on Tuesday, which is work really really hard, fight for every ball. Um, and rely on one or two moments of inspiration, or is it going to be the team that had played under Collins who didn't seem to know what they were doing? Um, you know, they were caught, bet- caught between two stools really because they were a team that didn't really look like they could play teams off the park and just didn't have enough physicality to really uh, to, to really threaten teams. I think what Sunderland will find from from Bradford on on Saturday is a team that are going to fight really really hard. They're going to be really really well organised. I think. Um, they've played. They've gone back to four four two. They are a team that I think sort of know their roles now a little a lot better. And I think they'll I think they'll try and frustrate Sunderland at first. I, I think you know they will they will play quite defensively. I think it, um, from the outset. I, I think they're not good enough yet to go and hurt teams um, like Sunderland. They're not good enough to really hurt the top teams. But they are better organised than they were before. And um, you know they're not a big team. So I don't think some of them have got too much to worry about that. But they are a team, I think, that now are starting to work really, really, really hard. So, um, you know, if Sunderland sort of felt they were going to get an easy game if they were playing this one a few few weeks ago, I think it would be harder for them. Um, but if, it's a, if, it, if it comes down to quality, I think Sunderland will win the match. But if it comes down to effort and desire, um, Bradford have got a chance. And they have got one or two players who, who can open up defences. So, um, you know, I think... Some of them will be favourites, and rightly so. But, you know, Bradford will feel a bit more optimistic than we did maybe two, three weeks ago. The big issue for Sunderland sort of earlier on the season, it's not something that's quite gone away. There's been teams really getting at us if they have the right mentality in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. Conceded a lot of early goals. Quite often we want one too many touches. Baldwin, Lubens, whoever at the back. We don't get the ball into midfield. And then we sort of build that mountain to climb. Is that something sort of Bradford coming off the back of good results might be able to take advantage of? Yeah, and it'll be a really, it's going to be a big crowd. It's going to be a great atmosphere. And I think what we've not had this season, because there's been so much discontent with the owners, is we've not had that kind of Bradford atmosphere that we've had for the last two years. And I think probably Sunderland fans who went to the game at Valley Parade a few years ago will remember you know, what a fantastic atmosphere it was at City that, that day uh, in the FA Cup. And, it, you know, obviously it's very easy to have a good atmosphere for the uh, for the sort of last stages of the FA Cup game. Um, but, it, you know, it has been a lot more, um, a lot more downbeat. It's been a bit more, probably some of the fans will recognise uh, over the last two years at, at, at the Stadium of Light, it's been a bit more like that really over the last few weeks. But I think what will be good is it'll be a big crowd. It, it's got a feel of a really big game and it will be a very, sort of positive crowd for once. So that might inspire the players. And I, I do think, you know, Hopkins has, he's tried to get them playing like that. It's just, I don't think at the moment he has the players 
uh, ready to do it. I, I, they are quite good from set pieces. You know, they've, they've um, they scored uh, they scored from a penalty on uh, on on Wednesday, but they on Tuesday, on Tuesday, but they have you know they have generally looked okay from set pieces, which I know is Sunderland's kind of Achilles heel. Um, so they'll have to watch for that, and they have got one or two good players. I think Jack Payne. Uh, the midfielder um, who scored the goal on uh, on Tuesday he hasn't actually been starting games recently because I think Hopkin wanted some wants a bit more muscle in there. He wants a bit more strength in there, and, and Payne's quite lightweight, but he's definitely got enough. I mean, he wouldn't look out of place for a team chasing promotion in League One, and he's scored goals for us this season. Our top goal scorer, and uh, I think if he gets on the ball, then then he's got he's got potential. We've also got a, a guy on loan from Rotherham called David Ball, who's um, who's a good creative player as well. I think. You know, we have got decent quality. It's just we haven't been able to get the ball into them at right the right the right times really this season so far. And um, you know, I'm hoping that really we've started to turn a corner in terms of form. But I think Saturday's a massive test for us because we've not come up against a team of Sunderland's quality really um, since Hopkins come in. You know, we've played Blackpool, beaten by Charlton, um, and you know, we, we've not really played a team who are really battling at the top under Hopkins yet. So it's a pity. If we get anything from it, it's, it, that does say to me, OK, we're, we're in business now. So early impressions of Hopkin are that this guy knows what he's doing, that he does have something about him. Because I must admit, I hadn't heard of him until I found out I was doing this podcast about four hours ago. Had a look, one senior job at Scotland. What sort of can you tell me about him and, and yeah, your first impressions of him? Yeah, so Hopkin played for Bradford. He's still actually our record signing from 2001, I think, at two and a half million. Um, which was when we were in the Premier League. He was, you know, he was obviously he had a, he had a really good career as a player. Uh, he went to Livingston, and I think, you know, they they were. I mean, the job he did there was absolutely outstanding. When you look at where they were when he started and where they where they are now, obviously in the Premier League in Scotland now. Um, I think we all kind of know, you know, Sunderland fans will will know from from Jack Ross obviously coming in as well that you, you, there were always question marks around whether the skills that you hone in the SPL or the Scottish leagues are necessarily transferable to uh, to English, the English Football League. But I think he looks to me as if he's going to have a good career as a manager because he's, you know, he just, I think it's sometimes it's it's a little bit more about how people present themselves. And I think he certainly appears as if he's somebody who's not going to take any nonsense. He knows what he wants from a football club. I think he's pretty unashamed about the fact that he believes that, you know, sometimes direct football and, and route one and having, you know, having players who can get the ball forward into forward positions quickly is is what he needs and I think that there's you know there's no doubt in my mind that he's uh you know that, that he's he's got those qualities he knows what he's doing and um you know he's a capable football manager um so I think you know I think he's he, he's destined for for bigger and better things probably than Bradford if if he gets if he does well for the next two or three years he'll probably go on to have a decent career but I, yeah I'm, I'm kind of I think he looks to me credible um, as opposed to Collins, who didn't look credible at all and looked, to be honest, totally out of his depth. Yeah, that's really interesting. There seems to be quite a few similarities there with Ross. With Ross instantly, you can see a guy who knows how to set up a team, who knows how to get teams to press, who who's just a genuine coach. And that instantly transferred. I mean, very quickly, Sunderland looked like a team that knew what they were doing, that where everyone understood their roles. Our issue's been as he's had more players to work with, as he's tried to integrate back in injured players, maybe we've seen a few aspects of his tactical game that hasn't been great. And maybe he's made it, he's been a bit naive at times in games. Maybe that he's one of the few Sunderland managers that's actually made mistakes in terms of killing off games. We haven't really 
had a manager that's too gung ho since since maybe De Canio, really. I mean, if anything, yeah. it's been conservatism, stay in the Premier League, respect the point. And that's been quite interesting to see. But yeah, with him, you do get the sense that if you're a good coach, you're a good coach. And yeah. those skills are transferable from Scotland, maybe more so than on the playing side where the quality is higher and obviously the depth of good players is higher because, I mean, yeah. Dylan McGeek at the moment is one who's split in opinion. So that's, yeah, that's quite interesting. I think what's, what's really interesting for me with Ross is that obviously he feels, I think, because he's come with a reputation for playing positive, creative, good football, I think he probably feels a little bit of a, uh, maybe a bit of a responsibility to deliver that. I think that's probably what is maybe the big difference between him and, him and Hopkins is that Hopkins come with, you know, the, the job this season for Bradford is just to stay in League One, I think, probably, and then build after that. The, the problem that Ross will have is that, obviously, so many to get out of the league straight away. They, they need to really, you know, I think as well, he, he will feel that he, need, he wants to imprint his footballing philosophy on, that, on the club as well, which is you know, quick football. I think he's, he's talked about how he wants to play high press. He wants to get the team knocking the ball around well. And there's a bit of a pressure, I think, sometimes for that as well, because he won't feel that he can necessarily go long and, and, do, and do what Hopkins, you know, has done at, at City, which is, you know, safety first, really basic stuff. Um, you know, I think I don't think he'll feel. You know, I don't think he'll necessarily feel that he can he can do that at, at Sunderland. But he might find the longer and longer the season goes on that that's the best way to get it out because it is a slog in League One, a massive, massive slog. And you know, Sunderland have thrown points away. I think you know, they, okay, they've got some good, uh, they've had some decent results where maybe they, um, you know, maybe they, they they didn't deserve to to win at say Wimbledon and you know one of the two of the other ones. But they, you know. Killing off games really in League One is is just a case sometimes of doing the, the the dirty stuff first, and I think maybe that's the lesson that Ross possibly needs to learn for the next uh, for the next half of the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely an issue of sort of maybe a lack of streetwiseness. I mean, there's definitely a lack of physicality in our team. Power coming back helps with that a bit. I mean, he's not a big guy, but he's just a guy who knows the league. So just having him there, he's somebody who's not afraid to stick a foot in. He's someone who can talk other players through games. That will help. But yeah, there's definitely been a sense of inexperience maybe costing us at times. Maybe a lack of communication. I mean, I think a team where everybody knows each other and gets on well, don't concede a goal like our second goal against Burton. I don't know if you remember that one where yeah. it's just looped in free kick and, and you can sort of see a fans took a video behind the goal and Baldwin and Leuvins aren't communicating and yeah. before you know it, it's a free header. So I do think that's been a bit a bit of a problem. Just to sort of circle back to the ownership situation, with, how does this guy compare to Ellis Short? One massive uh, kind of difference between him and, and Ellis Short is I think probably Edin Rahic is far too involved in the football side of things. I think he's convinced himself that he knows... He knows what football is. There's a, there's a quote he gave on the eve of uh, the playoff final against Millwall a couple of years ago, uh, where he said, "You know, Stuart McCall needs to respect me because I know football." And he's thrown back at him so many times in the last year when things have gone really badly. He's, he's made bad decisions because you know his CV is pretty sketchy. I don't think any City fan can really see anything on his CV to suggest that he does know football. And he's some kind of genius. You know, he's had a bit of time at Stuttgart kickers on the board there. You know. But you know, Stuttgart kickers are not a team in a you know a big German team, and there's sketchy details about what he actually did there as well. I think he's 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 made money from from working as the finance director of Bosch. So what convinces him to think that he knows football? I, I'm not really sure, and I think he's alienated a lot of people at Bradford. The big difference between him and Ellis Short is that 
Um, sure, obviously, it's not to go wrong for him at Sunderland. I think when he uh, when he decided, look, I, I'm not going to support this club anymore. I'm not going to put money in. But not only am I not going to put money in, I'm going to sort of effectively run it at a distance and let it wither and die. And I think the big difference at City is that I think it's probably a case of an overbearing owner who won't admit his own mistakes. I think with Ellis Short, he kind of did admit his own mistakes towards the end and decided, look, I'm not going to do anything to sort it out other than just employ people at the football club to try and sort it out um, and leave them leave them to it, not give them any help, not give them any money. And I think, you know, Ellis Short did so much damage to the football club from doing that because you know, my feeling is that if you're an owner and you make bad decisions, you have to then own those decisions. You know, I think he should have, um, he should have tried to put things right in a different way from, from what he did, which is, you know, just effectively cut, cut the club uh, adrift and just say, get on with it. I think what's happened at City is that we've had a really bad owner in the total opposite way. He's been far too involved. He's convinced himself that Bradford is a uh, an anachronistic club that doesn't know what it's doing. And I'm the only one who can come in and save it. But the, the sort of stupidity of that was when he took over, we were kind of chasing for promotion in League One. We had a fan base that was really motivated, selling a lot of season tickets, a really positive, good atmosphere around the place off the back of, sort of four or five years of of steady progress and he's kind of killed all of that in one in one sort of fell swoop whereas with short to be fair to him um what there has there was periods i think at Sunderland where it felt like they were ready to take off and he did do things in the right way but um as i think you said to to me before which i think was absolutely spot on he just entrusted totally the wrong people um, at the football club i think the problem with city is that rahic who you know is i think you know, a bad, bad owner. Um, he, he's got a lot wrong in this last year. Yeah, so like there's two clubs that instantly come to mind when you say that. It's QPR when they went through with the Formula One guys and they would be like walking all over someone like Gareth Ainsworth, who's obviously gone on to prove he's a good manager and they'd obviously be wanting certain players subbed off at half time and whatnot. And then you also had Leeds where they went through a bunch of managers who really just didn't have the CV to manage Leeds because they were cheap, because it meant the owner could get his own way. And that feels a bit like what might have happened with Michael Collins, somebody who obviously wanted his first gig in management, couldn't turn down the opportunity, but just wasn't prepared. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I think there's the shade to that as well. We've, we've had the debate at Bradford, whether, um, you know, whether this, these guys are, you know, are they late? Are they late and orient guys? You know, are they are they going to totally tear the club apart and and leave us and leave us in a situation where we're you know we're 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 sort of fighting for the sort of very existence of the football club? And I think the feeling was at the start that you know Rahic and uh, Rob, who's this kind of silent partner, but the the guy who's put all the money in, um, we felt that maybe they were you know they had just made the wrong decisions, which I think was always the kind of thing with Ellis Short, wasn't it? But I think now we've kind of moved on because he he did so many things in the summer that were sort of deliberate um, and and felt like it was very much my way or the highway. He did a lot of things, alienated a lot of people, and we're now sort of thinking these are bad owners rather than well-intentioned owners who are getting things wrong. I think it feels at the moment like Edin Rahic is a bad owner, um, which is kind of where the QPR situation came in. Ironically, um, they uh, the guys who were in charge of QPR, there was some talk of them taking over before these two Germans came in. And that, that sort of made my blood run cold because, you know, it just didn't feel right at all. Uh, ironically, we've ended up probably with a different version of the same thing, but with no money. Because um, I don't think they have a lot of money. I don't think they've invested a hell of a lot as well. I think the thing with Leeds, 
um, was always a situation with Chilino just wanted too much control. So I think you're entirely right. The, the two parallels there are um, owners who sort of want a massive say in the football side of things. And I just, my feeling with that is it's, it's never right. You know, you can't have um, a director of football coming in and, uh, and saying effectively, we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to come in and, uh, and, and take over the football club and make football decisions. It's just not that way. It just, it shouldn't be that way. Um, but you know, that's how it is. And, and unfortunately I feel like, you know, we have, uh, you know, we, we, we're just stuck in this now and we're just hoping that if they can turn around and, and actually change things and, 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 and move things in the right direction, fair play, but they've got a long way to go at the moment. I think they've got a long, long way to go to get us back to, uh, to where we were before they came in, which is a real shame because the club was heading in the right direction. It's quite interesting because obviously we've just had our first little blip of the season and it feels as though we've now reached a point where both teams just need a lift. They just need me to pick me up. Like you obviously, you've got a couple of good results. You've had the clean sheets and that's helping with you guys. And we're obviously now thinking, oh my God, we've, we've drawn against Peterborough and we should have beat them. We need to go to Bradford and make sure we're getting three points rather than one. But um, just before we sort of go into the nitty-gritty of the game again, I was hoping you could reassure me about Charlie White because he only played 189 minutes for us, scored one goal. Only five of those were in the Czech trade coat. I don't even know if that counts. But um, <laughs> you didn't really get a chance to, to get a good look at him before he went down with injury. So I'm hoping you can reassure me that he is going to be a talisman and he is going to fire us up the league in the second half of the season. Yeah, I, I really like Charlie Wyke. I thought um, when he came in at Bradford, he'd obviously been playing at Carlisle, which was, so he came in with a few question marks uh, around him at the same, you know, a similar thing really, I think. He came, he came in for a quarter of a million pounds, which was more than we'd spent on a player for a long time. When he came in, um, it, it was clear from the first moment that he was a pretty good footballer um, if it felt like, you know, obviously he's, he's very good in the air. I think that's the one thing I would say is he's really, really good in the air. He's, you know, you see a lot of tall players, a lot of kind of big footballers who, who although they're good in the air, they, they, they don't seem to really have that um, sort of sense of awareness. What I would say, the one thing that I always felt with Wyke was he was making the runs to get into positions where he could head goals. You know, we, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of big target men at City who, you know, they sort of relied on the fact that they were big and, and you know, they, aerially they were good because they were physically good. I think the one thing about White was his intelligence was his, his movement. You know, he was really, really good at knowing where to be in the right, uh, knowing to be in the right areas. Uh, and you, you can see, I think, I think he's a really good footballer with the ball at his feet as well. If you look through the kind of highlights reel at his time at Bradford, a lot of those goals were just moving into the right, right areas, making the right runs and sort of then obviously finishing well as well. So, I really do think that he's going to be a good footballer for Sunderland. I think if Sunderland go up, which I, I kind of expect Sunderland to go up this year, I think he'll be he'll be good in the championship as well. I was really surprised that no team in the championship came in for him because I thought it looked to me as if, yeah, he's, he's, he's that good. He's, he's got that ability and he scores goals. You know, I mean, you said, you said he's, he's not played too many times for Sunderland, but he has already scored for you. Um, he always scores on his debut. He always... Uh, he's always there or thereabouts. He's a dangerous uh, player in the box, and I think he will score the goals. And I think that's when Sunderland, although you know, there's, there's probably a little bit of nervousness around the stadium at the moment about the fact that the results haven't gone uh, haven't gone quite how they wanted to. I do think that you know, second half of the season, 
they'll probably have too much. It will be too much for other teams. You saw Wigan and Blackburn last season and Rotherham, who obviously came came up the rails as well. It, it, it does tend to be a sort of, the longer the season goes on, the more quality tells. And I think at the moment, there's a lot of teams coming to Sunderland sort of fancying their chances because like you said, you know, they have conceded some daft goals. But I think the longer and longer the season goes on, if Sunderland can start to put teams away, and I thought they would actually, I thought after the Rochdale game, that was a corner turn, but obviously it's not quite worked out that way. Um, but I do think that the longer and longer they go on, the more the better and better they'll get. But White is going to be a good player for Sunderland. Um, I think, you know, it was a good, good buy. Um, I think the deal worked well for both teams, actually. Because um, City, obviously, he was coming down for the last sort of 18 months of his contract. So he needed, they needed to sell him. Um, but Sunderland got a good deal as well. And, and I do think he will be, he will be a really good buy for Sunderland in the long run. And I was gutted actually for him that he got injured because he is a nice, he's a nice lad as well. You know, he's a good player. You know, he, he left with sort of good, I think good relations at City. You know, most people felt uh, he deserved the move and nobody would have kind of, you know, begrudged him the fact that he obviously went, uh, he obviously went to a bigger club and, and uh, uh, he's a good age as well, isn't he? You know, he, he'll get better playing alongside better players. Yeah, no, it's really interesting because Jerome Sinclair, it's kind of one of these guys who's been on the periphery. Another guy who comes into the team, we're like, oh, we like the look of him. And then he gets injured. Yeah. But all of a sudden against Peterborough, he was holding up the ball in a way that Madger couldn't. He was showing a, an extra amount of strength that Madger just doesn't have. Like at times he looks like a short of Victor Anachibi. He, he was really yeah. impressive. And you now sort of wonder, where is White going to come back? The movement thing you said, I think is really interesting because obviously like, you see a lot of shorter strikers score a lot of goals just on their movement, like a Michael mm. or Javier Hernandez. If he's a big lump and he's got that as well, that's that's really promising. And like you said, his hold-up play did look good, especially against Oxford when Madger was struggling. We were down to 10 men. He did. It, the ball did stick with him. And he, he obviously, that was when he got his goal and you saw a bit of his movement for that goal. Yeah. So that is really... He's a clever player. He's, he's a clever player. player. And, I th- and I think what, what was kind of underestimated because he, he's seen as sort of this, you know, the target man type, it's not seen necessarily that he's quite good with his um, the, the ball at his feet. I remember going to the game, they played Bristol Rovers last season and he scored a hat-trick in that match. And um, he was unplayable that day, absolutely unplayable. And I thought at that point, this is going to be our season. You know, we're going to go up and, and it's going to be, uh, White's going to sort of stay, he's going to sign a new contract in the championship and we're going to stay on it. It hasn't quite worked out that way. But on that day, I do remember him, you know, thinking he's well league one. Um, and, you know, I think he's had a few injuries and it might take him a bit of time to get back back to that level, but he will he will be he will be there or thereabouts. And I think, you know, he'll he'll get double figures this season, even with the injuries he's got. That's yeah, that's really reassuring. I will say my one nitpick. Um, I was a bit surprised how slow he was. I must admit he came on against Oxford. He was playing up front of his own and we had 10 men. So there's often yeah. 30, 40 yards between him and the next man. I do remember seeing him run with the ball sometimes and thinking. Is that the injury or is that how fast he moves? That that was my one sort of observation where I was yeah. like, okay, what's what's going on here? But if I he's so good I, at all the other stuff, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I don't want to kind of big him up too much. He's obviously got got areas of his game that have got to improve. And I, I don't think he'll ever be the quickest. Um, but, you know, I I think it's been such... He did, he did... It was a nasty injury, actually. It was a really nasty injury that he got in pre-season. Um, and it, it will take him a while to come back. I think always those bigger players, the sort of target men types, it does take them a bit of time to get back. And and I, I would hope so. Obviously, I didn't see I didn't see that game. I I, I saw the goals, but I didn't see 
I didn't see the full uh, the full match, but I, you know, I, yeah, I wouldn't say he's the quickest. I would, yeah, I would, I would, I would say that. But you know, I think he's probably got enough in his game that if Sunderland have got players around him who can who can sort of cause problems, then it shouldn't matter too much. But um, but yeah, I, I do, you know, I, I I would think that that injury has definitely played a part because he didn't really have much of a pre-season. He only played one game for us um, and was taken off quite early on in that one. So he's not really had much of a pre-season. So it might take him a bit of time to get back. So if Sinclair comes in and has a bit of an impact, it might be a good thing for for Wyke as well because he'll get a bit of time. Uh, he'll get a bit of time to um, to, to sort of uh, make make integrate himself back into things. Yeah, and I remember he was really desperate. I think I remember Ross saying that he really wanted to play in that checker trade game because he could, he knew his body wasn't where it needed to be. Yeah. I think he wanted to get the minutes under his belt then. So I think that probably was something he was aware of where he's like, probably was, yeah, gasping a bit against Oxford for thought, oh God, I need to, I need <laughs> to get back used to playing football. So that, yeah, that is interesting. You mentioned pain and ball. I was just sort of wondering who your key players are and who might catch the eye for our fans come Saturday? I would say Jack Payne would be the would be the one um, if he plays that is obviously because he's not um, he's not not didn't start on uh, Tuesday despite the fact he, he came on because um, we lost Jim O'Brien who's uh, a free agent who we signed um, who's effectively I think was brought into stiffen things up a bit in midfield but Payne's definitely the player who, who can uh, change the game he's, he's got a really really smart feet he's a, he can pick a pass as well um, I think Payne would be the one for me up front we've we've got George Miller who's on loan from Borough who did, had a good season for Berry last season and will run for everything um, but it's nothing's really been coming off for him in terms of goals uh, at the moment we, we've signed Eon Doyle um, to replace Charlie White um, but it's not really happened for him yet I think they haven't really been playing to his strengths it's been a bit of a um, he's been he's been picking on scraps, but he is a good player. You know, he scored scored a lot of goals last season, in, um, and I think you know he probably will come good in the end. But um, I think really we're, we're short on players. You'd say he's the answer. You know, he's he's somebody who's really going to go and uh, going to go and change games. The one player I would say who I do like who's uh, probably at Championship level as well is Sean Scannell, the winger. He was at Huddersfield. Um, a couple. He was at Huddersfield before we signed him, and uh, you know he, he started the season really well. He's quick. He's 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 decent. I, I think he's got he's got plenty of uh, he's got plenty of potential as well. But we ha- we just haven't really been playing that kind of four four two two wingers going down the wings and swinging balls in. We haven't really been playing that way. So I think he's had to be a little bit more of a sort of put in some more work and the light performances. But but Scannell's the one. If Payne doesn't start, who cause problems for Sunderland if he uh, if he gets the ball in the right areas um, but we just haven't scored enough goals this season yet so I would sort of hesitate from saying the strikers are necessarily going to cause too many problems for Sunderland so I'd say more Scannell uh, would be the, would be the one um, defensively we're looking a little bit better than we were before um, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we can kind of keep keep Sunderland out but I, I do think Sunderland will get some get some opportunities on uh, Saturday because we, we rode Alec massively against FC Wimbledon on uh, Tuesday. They had three or four chances. I, I don't know whether any fans have seen the, the viral clip of um, the penalty incident right at the end, but how the referee didn't give a penalty when he gave a free kick outside the box when yeah. the two players were inside the box. I mean, about 10 yards inside the yeah. box, he gave a free kick. No idea how he managed to do that, but um, that's been the kind of story of our season. We've not tended to get those decisions we've made a lot of defensive mistakes so I think some will get chances on Saturday it's just if they don't take them they might give us a way into the game and you know then I think with a big crowd behind us it's you know we, we've got a chance then 
Um, but I think some of them will get chances. I'm I'm not sure it's a foul, you know. Um, it's I mean it's it's embarrassing. I didn't think it was a foul actually. Yeah, I didn't think it was a foul, but you know when, when you give oh, the foul for it then to be in the box, unbelievable. <laughs> was- yeah, no, um, it it was one of those where I kept on seeing it pop up on social media, and then I was like, oh shit, the game was involved in Bradford. I better watch yeah. it, and it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, oh my god, it's I feel so sorry for him because refereeing such a crappy job and that is that's that'll define him i mean was it Stuart atwell who gave a goal when the ball went no didn't give a goal when it went through yeah. the net and it, that's just all anyone thinks of when they think of Stuart atwell yeah whether the ref whether the ref gets a game on saturday i, I would doubt he, he probably won't after that one's gone viral it's a little bit unfair as well because what you, what tends to happen at our level is there's a lot of bad decisions because the referees don't tend to be quite as good as they are at championship premier league level but they hardly ever get picked up because you know nobody's really paying that much attention uh, unlike at Premier League Championship level where there's so much focus and so much coverage and he was kind of unlucky because um, I think because it sort of went viral so I think a Bradford fan put it out or somebody put it out on, on Twitter and then it got picked up by a lot of these sort of betting accounts and people who do who do you know try and trying to make content go viral and it was so blatant that I think it then does the rounds on social media and the refs being a little bit unlucky there because if somebody hadn't flagged it up on Twitter and it hadn't sort of gone viral, he would have got away with it. It's a weird one because last year I was I was prepared for terrible referees. And apart from Preston away, where we should have had four penalties, I didn't think they were that bad. It was the gap in quality of goalkeepers, yeah. not just at Sunderland, but everywhere that just completely caught me by surprise. The referees weren't that bad, but this season it's been it's been awful. I mean, I'm sure... I'm sure you must have seen the amount of stuff um, about the referee we had on Tuesday, how yeah. the Oviedo sending off was probably the only decision he got right all game mm. by the team. It was just, it was farcical, like some of the fouls he was given against Sinclair and then at the other end, Tony on Flanagan. And it was just, oh, it was embarrassing. It mm. was so embarrassing. And it's, it's just, yeah, it's really strange because I was expecting to notice the difference in the championship and I didn't. And then, one level further down and it's it's so noticeable it's massive yeah it's a huge huge difference i think that's the one thing that i think you 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 do find at our level is that the referees just are not as good i think the other thing that massive difference i notice when i kind of watch championship premier league football to league one is the amount of chances that strikers miss it's absolutely incredible you know you, you get away with so much more at league one level than you do at championship or premier league level you can you know you can have a really bad performance but you know somehow you don't get punished for it and you can you can end up winning the game and i think some of them have been unlucky in a way because i think they've you know they've actually come up against some teams that have been quite ruthless against them you know they've probably uh, peterborough as you said were could have been blown away by the time uh, sunderland obviously went down to 10 men and then peterborough have scored and and you know they are one of the better teams in the division probably but some have been a bit unlucky really from that perspective because a lot of teams i mean i've watched uh, three games City this year on I follow. I've not been able to get to too many of the matches. I watched three games on I follow, and the amount of chances that the opposition have missed against City this year is unbelievable. I mean, they missed three or four absolute sitters on uh, on on Tuesday. Burton we played and won one nil as well, and they had all of the game and and I don't know how they didn't score. Uh, and then we played Blackpool, which is the other game I watched and uh, lost three two. But they'd had loads of chances before we went two 0 up, and then they eventually did did score and stuff as well. So. It, it does feel to me that at our level, you you don't get punished 
half as much as you do in the Championship and Premier League. And Sunderland have maybe been a little bit unlucky to come up against teams who are, you know, teams are going to be motivated against Sunderland because they are the biggest team in the division. Um, and that is maybe what, what's happening really is that you're coming up against teams that are playing at the top of their level every week because they, they, they just want to beat Sunderland because um, they know that Sunderland are the biggest team in the division. Yeah, I think I think we've had it both ways. I think Chillingham away and Wimbledon away, back to back. Wimbledon. Both games where, where yeah, the Wimbledon game, the, the strikers missed from six yards on the half volley, hit it two yards over at 1-1. Then Lee Catmull's banged in the volley at the other end. Three points, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, the Chillingham game was one where they had most of the clear chance in the game. Honeyman scored a beauty. Powers scored a beauty. We score a really good pass and move goal at 4-1. And it's 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 a flattering scoreline. But then, yeah, the Oxford game was one where they've scored a beauty of a free kick from like 22 yards. We've actually defended well with 10 men. And, and yeah, they, they've not really created anything in that game. And you kind of think, well, that could easily have been three points. If we hadn't yeah. had the last red card, it definitely would have been. So I think yeah. I definitely had it both ways. I'm glad you mentioned Sean Scannell because he's the only other player other than Jack Payne I'd heard of. Right. Uh, Bradford team looking. Would I, is, is it two O'Briens that are playing in central midfield? Yes, we've got... Um, so James O'Brien uh, was the guy we signed on, a free agent uh, from... Uh, I think he was at Livingston before... Uh, I think he was at Livingston when he, uh, last season, but he was a free agent at the start of this season. And he came in, uh, hopped him basically, I think brought him in because he didn't feel we had enough sort of strength and muscle in the centre of midfield. Uh, so he brought him in and, and he but he got injured on Tuesday. So he's not going to play on, on Saturday. But then the other guy is a guy called Lewis O'Brien, who's another loney that we've brought in, a really sort of highly rated guy from Huddersfield. But he looks very callow to me. He looks very, he's very young. I think he's only 18, 19 and he looks, he looks it. Um, but he's got, he's obviously got ability. He's very highly rated by Huddersfield. I think they've got hopes that in the future he's going to, He's going to go on and, and, and have a decent career. So he, it's him and O'Brien at the moment in the middle and Payne is the other one. We've got a lot of players in on loan from uh, Huddersfield. Actually, we've got two players in on loan from Huddersfield. We signed Sean Scannell from them as well. I mean, they're our, you know, they're our big rivals. So it's been a little bit galling to see them sort of in the Premier League and loaning as players, effectively using them as a bit of a um, you know, kind of feeder club, which is <laughs> utterly galling. But yeah, I think... The, the two midfield is it's not, it doesn't look quite right to me at the moment it looks a little bit like it's not quite worked we've, we've had uh, two guys injured at the moment Hope Ackman who was at Burton last year and has played at Blackburn who's you know a bit of a meant to be a kind of enforcer meant to be a sort of guy who wins the ball and, and plays it short and then uh, the club captain was signed in the summer a guy called Josh Wright who's um, the brother of Mark Wright from TOWIE um, but I mean, he—I've got to be honest. From what I've seen of him so far, he doesn't look—he doesn't look that good, to be honest. He's, he doesn't—he seems to—he wins the ball and plays it short, but he doesn't seem to have a pass in him at all. So he's got a long way to go. But they're both injured at the moment. So we've—we've we've got we've signed sort of six or seven midfielders in the summer, um, and I wouldn't say any of them, apart from Payne, really at this moment have have really looked up to it, to be honest. Um, and we signed a lot of young players. The idea was. Righteous big idea was to sign young players who'd improve, we could sell them, and then uh, and then we'd sort of make the money from them. And you know, I think he thought this was a big sort of bright idea. You know, buy young players, improve them, and sell them, and then reinvest the money. Well, every team in the lower leagues 
tries to do that and they probably do it better than we do you know um and uh, a lot of the players that we've signed are young players you, you wouldn't hear them because they've not really had massive careers so far um so a lot of the players we've, we've got are young players or players who've you know either come through uh academies i mean we've, <clears throat> we've signed a guy called joe riley from manchester united who's a right back and i mean again he doesn't look he doesn't look to me as if he's ready for it at the moment um similar to lewis o'brien i think at the moment pair of them sort of look quite young and hopefully they'll get better as things go on and we've had a lot of success with lone players and young players in the past but I think the balance is wrong at the moment at City they need more experience they need more know-how in League One and I think probably that's what Hopkins will be looking to do in January if he's um, if he's given a bit of a budget. That's been one of the best things in terms of this season as a Sunderland fan has been watching Gooch and Madger um, Gooch didn't really get enough chances last season, but Madger just wasn't ready last year. There were so many games where he'd be playing against mm-hmm. big centre-backs that just have such nous and know-how, and, and you'd go 50 minutes without seeing him. It's been really good seeing those two sort of flourish, sort of now they are ready, now they're ready to go. And especially with Gooch, you kind of think they're probably a bit too good for this level. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's definitely been a plus point for us, sort of seeing the other side of the equation where you see a young player sort of have setbacks. I remember seeing Gooch um, Millwall away where he didn't make the 18 and it's freezing cold and he's he's walking off to watch the game in the stands. I just remember thinking, he must be hating this. Like, yeah. I can't remember who the two wingers were that game, but he must be thinking, how am I not in this team? How am I not in this squad? And you'd imagine he's probably now using that as motivation to kick on but it's, it's, it's obviously great when you see it the other side but it doesn't always happen I mean yeah watch- and I think the, the difference the difference with those guys would be that they're, they're obviously academy products from Sunderland and I think Sunderland have got a good academy um, you know I know there's been well it, it, it's been sort of a, a topic of debate but I think they've got good players coming through from there um, and, and that's where I think we've made the mistake of sort of thinking we'll sign other players players who've been released by other teams academies and you know I don't think it's to me it doesn't feel at Bradford as if those players are you know necessarily ready they come in from other academies that maybe you never know what kind of background they've had at least with Sunderland you know those lads have had a good grounding you know you'd hope that the, the kind of the, the attributes that Kevin Ball used to put in at the academy they're still there you know you can see from a lot of the lads who came through Sunderland's academy have that like you said there with Gooch you know, a lot of players would have just said, oh, do you know what, um, um, this isn't for me. But he's fought back. And it's the same with it's the same with a few of the other guys there as well. You know, they know they're going to get opportunities. They've got, you know, they seem to have the right mentality. They're not always good enough, the lads who come through the academy at Sunderland, but they always seem to have the right mentality. And a lot of them who don't make it at Sunderland seem to go on and have careers elsewhere. Um, you know, we have Billy Knott at City, who's, um, you know, I know it's obviously not quite gone the way that he wanted it to go, because I think he's had, you know, he's had off the field problems, uh, which he's talked about as well. But when he came to City, he did really well because he was, you know, he would spent a bit of time in Sunderland's academy. And, you know, there are, I think there are a lot of players at Sunderland who've come through the academy who've maybe gone to play for other clubs and, and have done well because they're, you know, they're grounded lads. And I think that's why Sunderland's, Sunderland's academy players are not sort of seeing themselves as too big for League One. They're coming in and, you know, you can see that they're, you know, they've got the right attitude to it and they've been probably the better players, I would say. You know, obviously I've not seen too much of Sunderland this season, but it seems to me that they've been some of the better players um, that some of them have had this season. I'd say them to Baldwin, Power and probably the keeper McLaughlin. Would, you'd probably yeah. say the top five. I think you'd probably 
Oh, and Catamol. Catamol's been very good, actually. Yeah, yeah. Much to my surprise, um, hands held up on that one. He's, you can tell now he's buying into it. I mean, against Coventry, the, the game was awful for, for the first, however long that first half took with all the injuries. But he was the one there trying to get his foot on the ball, trying to just sort of get the team going, get everyone involved. And you, and you can tell you can tell he's, he's up for it now, which is, which is great. So um, what sort of formation do you reckon you'll line up with on Saturday? I'm thinking it'd be four four two. I think they they messed around a bit with three five two earlier in the season, but um, I think Hopkins has sort of brought them back to that four four two. Two banks of four. He wants his defenders to defend. You know, he's not particularly interested in them playing out from the back. He he wants. I mean, he brought. Um, we've got we've got two centre backs who I think uh, you know are, are really capable. We've got a guy called. Um, Anthony O'Connor, who signed from Aberdeen. They've got a guy called Ryan McGowan, who was also in Scotland as well. Uh, he was at Hearts for a while. He's Australian, uh, ex-Australian international. Who looks, to be honest, I think he looks he looks like a good player. He's he's you know no nonsense sort of centre back. Um, so the spine of the kind of team, the, the two defenders look look pretty good. The team, as I said, the midfield balance hasn't been quite right this season. Um, you know, we tend to play on Saturday, on Tuesday. Sorry, we played with uh, two two up front, George Miller. And then a guy called Kai Brunker, who um, is we signed from the lower leagues in Germany at Rahic's kind of behest, and you know he's just not good enough. But he's very he's very big, very sort of strong. Um, doesn't seem to be able to control a ball, but you know he's up there for his presence. Really, um, I'm hoping that he won't play on Saturday. But um, but that's that's kind of where we've been. So I think he's trying to bring in the spine of the team. You know get makers difficult to beat, just get us back to basics and get us hard to beat again so that we can pick up enough points to kind of get ourselves away from from danger. So I think it will be 4-4-2 on Saturday. I think we'll match up in that case. I think we played 4-4-2 and it worked so well until Oviedo's red card against Peterborough. I think we'll match up. I think we'll see if we can get 60 minutes from McGeady, who couldn't run in the second half, but was amazing up until then. Yeah, we'll probably go in the midfield two of Power and Catamole get those two playing together for the first time in a month. And yeah, I think, I think we're good for a goal. I think, I think what will come down to is whether you get yours, whether you mm. score first and then whether, whether everything's the house of cards falls over really. But I think, I think we'll, we'll go out to attack in that case because that was the problem at Burton was Ross was playing a team that always play four, four, two plays a midfield two of Honeyman and Catamol and, all of a sudden they're playing a midfield free and we can't get a kick. And then obviously we had Sinclair on left wing and he's not a left winger in that game. And that was, yeah, that was a big issue. But if, if you're playing four four two, I reckon Ross will see that as an opportunity to, to go away from home and, and get three points and be positive himself. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, I could, see, I could see that. I think the, the, the issue for me will be in midfield. I think some of them will probably have, you know, they've probably got the better players in midfield. I think up front, you know, as I said, it's not quite worked for us yet. Defensively, we've been pretty good the last few weeks, so it will be a question for some of the can they break us down? You know, are you are you do you have the players to get in get in behind our our, uh, our lads? I think it's going to be difficult for Bradford to keep a clean sheet for three games running. I think this is the best team they've played this season so far. You know, I don't we haven't played any of the really top teams yet. We've not been able to so far compete with any of the teams at the top. We played Barnsley in the second game of the season and they just ran all over us. Charlton were too good for us. Uh, Doncaster kind of outplayed us the other week as well. They've been decent as well. So, 
you know, I'm kind of aware that we are a, probably a bottom half of the, the division team at the moment. So Sunderland, you know, I, I don't want to sell my lad short. Um, and if this was last season, I would have been saying something very, very different. But I think Sunderland should be looking to get three points on Saturday. Uh, and if we get anything out of it, I'll be, I'll be happy. Okay, so just a few final ones before we wrap up. Is there anyone you fear in the Sunderland team? Who's the guy who, if he's got the ball at his feet, you're thinking, oh, we're in trouble there? Yeah, well, I think Mar- uh, Marge is definitely the, the one because of his pace. You know, I, 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 do, I do worry about him. Power, as you said, you know, is probably a, a, one of the better midfielders in the division. If he gets the ball, then, you know, if he, gets, if he sees a lot of the ball, then we're going to be in a bit of trouble. Um, but I think I do like Sunderland's, I do like Sunderland going forward. You know, Maguire, I think, is a good player. He's done a lot, you know, has, has, has looked pretty good, I think, so far this season as well, like you said. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think he is, you know, I think he's, he's, got a, he's got a bit in him. He's got, you know, he's got that, uh, uh, you know, that, that, that pass he can pick. You know, he, he is, you know, I think he's a good player as well. And I think any of those, any of those, you know, Catamore, like you said before, if he gets, a, if he gets, if the mood takes him and he gets a scruff, he gets a game by the scruff of its neck, it's going to be difficult for us because we don't have that same sort of presence in the centre of midfield. If you win the midfield battle, um, it's going to be difficult for us to sit a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I think if, if you'd said to me two weeks ago, what's the score going to be? I would have said, been very gloomy about it. But I think there have been some slight signs of, of uh, green shoots of recovery from us in the last few weeks. I do think that, you know, it'll be a big crowd. It'll be a positive crowd for City on for once it'll be you know the ownership issues will be forgotten and it will be a sort of this is one of the bigger games I think you'll get in the whole of the Midland Road stand so that's always you know that's always that always kind of inspires I think the home crowd you know when you get that's that's usually a a stand for the home fans and and they get moved out when we play one of the bigger teams so that usually means uh, the atmosphere is better because you just get you know you get this whole this massive sort of crowd in a really big away away crowd usually means the atmosphere is really good so I think we'll sort of play on that and hopefully um, that will be uh, that will kind of inspire us a little bit because it hasn't been the atmosphere hasn't been that good at home this season because of the off the field issues but I think it will be on Saturday and it'll be uh, you know be a good atmosphere and hopefully I'm hoping uh, a close game because if it's a close game then I feel we, we could nick something um, if Sunderland sort of come and do do what they're capable of doing. It could be a it could be a, a good score. And Sunderland have like I remember down the years. Sunderland have had obviously they didn't they lost the FA Cup game a few years back, but they generally had a pretty good record at, at Valley Parade before then. I remember the season in the Premier League when we both got up the year before beating us four uh, nil with Quinny there, and I think they beat us in the year that we both went up from the Championship or what was it Division One as it was at the time. Um, yeah, Sunderland ran away with the league that year, but we finished second and. Sunderland came, I think, it, towards the end of the season when we were playing really well and won one nil, and uh, they did tend to did tend to do pretty well at Valley Parade, and that's why I was quite surprised the other year when we when we won that FA Cup game. But um, I think the stars aligned that day, didn't they? Because Gus Poyer was having a, an absolute nightmare at the time, um, and and we just kind of caught caught Sunderland on a good day. Our pitch was absolutely atrocious. Uh, it was a it was a vegetable patch basically, and uh, and I think Sunderland just didn't fancy it that day at all. But it'll be a different different kettle of fish on Saturday. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it, actually. I think it'll be a cracking game. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. And I'm, I'm actually, I've got the day off for the Boxing Day game. Um, so I'm going to be going there. I'm going to be going there for that one on uh, on Boxing Day. I think that'll be, a, that'll be fantastic. I can't wait. I really can't wait. Um, 
it's been uh, you know it's been a while since I went to stadium like the city. It was the last time was probably probably the the season before I think we went up and uh, Sunderland looked pretty good that year and obviously didn't quite make it that year. Um, with I think they got knocked out in the playoffs. I think it was. Oh, that year. Yeah. yeah, the the Jeff Whitley year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, so I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think it's, you know, in an ideal situation, I'd be hoping that if we were playing Sunderland, we'd, we'd have been in, a, you know, at least one league higher than we are at the moment. You know, I was gutted that Sunderland went down last year. It's just not a club that should be at that level, in my opinion. You know, I think that whatever you, whatever you sort of feel about what's gone wrong in the last few years, the club should not be at that level. And, you know, I really hope that it's a short stay in League One. Um, and I really hope, to be honest, that you know you can go through the leagues again because you know it's an absolute travesty that some of them are playing at League One. You know, it's great for a team like Bradford to be playing them, but it's you know it really is it really is not not good enough really from from the football club. And hopefully, the new owners, the new manager, and the sort of air of positivity around it uh, will kind of inspire this season. I do think you know obviously the results haven't gone brilliantly in the last five or six games, but I do think that they'll have enough towards the end of the season and uh, I, you know I've really, I've really keep my fingers crossed that they do go up because you know the North East the North East basically needs I think at least two teams in the Premier League potentially three um, and you know Sunderland have the capability if they get things moving in the right direction to go up again next year if they go up and that would be that would be ideal really and you know I, I just can't believe really that they're in League One to be honest Yeah no, I'm, I'm still enjoying it it's it's not got stressful yet League One I've yeah. So much lose, and it's still it's still quite quite fun. It's still a bit of a novelty. It mightn't feel like that in April, but for now, yeah. now it's okay. For now, it's 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 not too bad. The honeymoon period of the owners is still we're still just about in it. I mean, obviously, that's what makes this game so crucial because we've yeah we've not won too much in the last sort of six weeks. So it's yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I think it's interesting what you said about sort of the bigger way following bringing the best out of the home crowd as well. Cause I kind of sensed that a bit of Coventry, like mm. I was a bit taken aback when I sort of walked into the Rico at just how loud the home support was, just how Larry they were and just how much they were up for it. I think they were like, we can't be outsung by 5,000 Mackhams. Let's, let's go for it. And and you really had that sort of, especially for the first hour when the game was crap, there's a lot of noise in the stadium and it, it, it made it that bit more bearable. I think we've yeah. circled around it enough, Mark. I think it's prediction time. Um, what do you reckon? Do you know my heart? My heart says uh, that we can we can get something out of it one one, but I think probably three one Sunderland. If I'm being uh, if I'm being realistic, I think that I think the Sunderland will probably have a bit too much for us. I think last season, if you'd have asked me with the team that we had last year, um, I'd have fancied us to win. I think this year, uh, you know, I do think I do think we're quite a limited team. So I would say that Sunderland. Will win the game, but you know, as you said, the beauty of football is that you never, you never know. And the way that we've been playing the last two games gives me a little bit more hope. But uh, I think Sunderland will probably win, and they'll probably score score a couple of goals, three goals as well. Yeah, and I think this this combination that we've seen now of a front four of Maguire, McGeady, Sinclair, and Madger, I just think is going to be a bit too much firepower. I'm going to go two one, but yeah, no, I'm, if if you can defend, you've got a chance against us because. Yeah, we're we're not there yet. We're not there yet, sort of defensively. But it should be a really interesting game, and I'm really looking forward to it. Will you get a chance to watch it, or are you busy? No, I've got. I'll be working Saturday. It's the it's the sort of curse of 
uh, working, you know, working in football is that you, you know, you, you don't get to see as much of your team as you'd like. So I tend to kind of get the international breaks and things. Although I, you know, that was always the bonus of Sunderland and Newcastle being in the being in the Championship or Premier League. You knew you had a kind of weekend off uh, to go watch Bradford. But uh, no, I won't. I won't get there. But I'm I'm hoping. As I said, I'm going. I'm definitely going to the one uh, on Boxing Day. Um, and I'm hoping that uh, you know I'm hoping I'll, I'll get to see a few more games before the end of the season. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll be keeping it, keeping an eye on it, uh, and and you know I'll be paying attention to to what's happening. I do think that you know I do, as I said, I do think that it should be a good game anyway. And I think it's it's probably one of the few games I would say that some of the fans would have looked at at the start of the season and said, yeah, you know, I could see us kind of you know enjoying that one because it's a big stadium. It's a you know it's a bit it's a Championship Premier League stadium in a lot of ways. It's probably better than some of the stadiums in the championship and premier league so it's not a kind of rickety accrington stanley style ground it's quite a decent you know it's a good good facilities decent I mean, you have a good day if you're going because it's uh you know it's a good it's a, the city's been on the upper a bit as well so there's a few few places on north parade if there's anyone listening to this who's going for a drink north parade in bradford has a few bars on it you know and i think the way fans get welcome there as well and you know mostly i think city city you know it's always a good atmosphere there but um, you know, it's kind of a you know competitive, competitive atmosphere as well. But I think a lot of you know you get good welcome at home for us because it is. You know, I think I think when there's a big bigger way following like that, it sort of there's a bit of a buzz around the city. So um, yeah, it should be a good day. It should be a good day. Brilliant stuff, Mark. Thanks a lot for giving up so much time. It's been really fun chatting. Thanks a lot. No problem. Cheers, mate. Enjoy your evening. Cheers, mate. Thanks, man. Cheers. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.